bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite, or whatever the case may be. My name is Marcus Trevay and I am the host of the Black Brazil Today podcast, where I discuss news about Brazil from the perspective of race. This podcast is an extension of the blog of the same name, blackbraziltoday.com. You know, Brazil can be quite confusing to understand at times. In terms of race, how does one explain such strong evidence of racism throughout the country, the near invisibility of Afro-Brazilians in various areas of society, yet a high rate of interracial marriage and persons of mixed ancestry? The funny thing is, most people nowadays can at least admit that racism exists in Brazil, but then when asked if Brazilians considered themselves to be personally racist, well, hardly no one will admit that. Welcome to Brazil. In this episode, I will continue to unravel this contradiction between daily reports of experiences of racism and how Brazilians are generally not able to admit that they harbor racist sentiments. So stay tuned and I'll get right into it. Welcome back. Again, my name is Marcus Trevay, and this is the Black Brazil Today podcast. With all of the reports I've done over the years at the BBT blog, I hope my readers and now listeners can understand that racism can exist even in a racially mixed society with high rates of interracial marriage and even if people deny that they are racist. As one writer put it, the details hidden within interracial marriage can actually be seen as more evidence of racial inequality and a long-standing racial hierarchy. Today's episode is also interesting in that it shows that over 20 years later, after a report showing the Brazilian propensity to lie about racial issues, things haven't changed much in Brazil. According to a widely divulged 1995 study, 89% of Brazilians said that there is prejudice against black people, while only 10% admitted to harboring these sentiments themselves. In the same survey, 87% of those same people revealed some prejudice by agreeing with racist comments or sayings. In other words, everyone agrees that racism exists and that they knew racist people but few people confess to being racist. A 1988 study conducted in Sao Paulo found that 97% of those interviewed said they didn't harbor any prejudiced feelings, while 98% of the same people said they knew prejudiced people. Commenting on this contradiction, anthropologist Lilia Moritz Schwartz, Moritz Schwartz said that Quote, every Brazilian seems to feel like they are an island of racial democracy surrounded by racists on every side. Unquote. Also consistent with material regularly featured at the BBT blog, the study shows how common it is for black Brazilians to be insulted with the term macaca or macaco. 
Minnie Monkey. While many black women express their annoyance with the widespread idea that if a person is considered pretty or beautiful, said person cannot be considered black. Such is life in a so-called racial democracy. So how has Brazil managed to keep this myth going for so long? Well, it has a lot to do with how people deal with the topic on an individual basis, which when everyone says or believes the same thing becomes the collective. Individually, the Brazilian has the habit of saying that he or she is not biased but is convinced that he or she lives in a country in which people are discriminated against on the basis of color. This profile is part of an unpublished research, unpublished research to which the Correio Brasilense newspaper had access. Prejudice is a common mark in the daily lives of Brazilians. It's in the homes, in the schools, and in the work environment. Preliminary data from an unpublished report of the Data Popular Institute put the myth of racial democracy to the test. The study showed that although 92% of Brazilians believe there is racism in the country, only 1.3% considered themselves to be racist. The Institute estimated that more than 92 million or nearly 70% of adults have witnessed a white Brazilian refer to a black person as a monkey. And of these, only 12% took action. The survey also showed that one in six white men did not want to see their daughters marry a black man. With so many mixed marriages in Brazil, you would think that interracial marriage wouldn't bother anyone. Sociologist Florestan Fernandes found these views to be rather common back in the 1950s and 1960s. And as we can still see, there is still a proportion of people who still feel this way. And that's just considering the people who openly admit this. In the next segment, I will delve further into this issue and provide a few examples of what it is to live in a racial democracy where racism is so evident. So stay tuned. Welcome back. Again, my name is Marcus Trevay, and this is the Black Brazil Today podcast. For years, whenever there was a discussion about the position of Black Brazilians in Brazilian society, many activists and scholars, both American and Brazilian, came to the conclusion that Afro-Brazilians were 40 to 50 years behind in the struggle for racial equality and advances made specifically by Black Brazilians. One of the main reasons this is true is because the society as a whole has denied the very existence of the racial issue. This has changed a lot in the past few decades. In fact, in my view, I think the discussion of race and the advances of black Brazilians have moved forward more in the past few decades than perhaps the previous 50 years. That's because leaders of the Movimento Negro, Brazil's black civil rights movement, has succeeded 
on several levels in pushing the issue. Placing the race question at the front and center of social agendas and making the country more aware of the issue than ever before. In 2014, Carlos Alberto Jr. was the ombudsman of the Secretariat for the Promotion of Racial Equality, or CEPIR, as it came to be known. When asked about the race issue, he replied, Racism is a crime with no father and no mother. They say that it exists, but don't admit that they are racist. People want to put this, meaning racial democracy, as part of the culture of Brazil, but it is a lie. It is a farce created and every day we need to deconstruct it. It is important that society see that citizenship and democracy will never be developed as long as we live with this type of crime. He continued, the Claudia case in the first place is not an isolated case. Unfortunately, it happened, but fortunately it was recorded. Such cases have happened almost systematically, and that is what we are fighting, said the ombudsman. In that quote, he mentioned the Claudia case. So you might be wondering, who is Claudia and what is the Claudia case? The service's assistant, Claudia da Silva Ferreira, died on March 16, 2014, a Sunday, after being struck by two rifle shots during a police operation in Mojo Congonha in the Madureira region of North Zone, Rio de Janeiro. She had gone to a bakery to buy bread and bologna when she was shot. According to witnesses, she was still alive when she was, quote unquote, rescued by military police and taken to the hospital. Along the way, the trunk of the police SUV opened and Claudia, hanging by her clothing, was dragged on the ground for at least 1,100 feet. Mind you, that's the length of about three football fields. The three military police who rescued Claudia were taken off the street, but were released for a lack of evidence as to the authorship of the shots that struck Claudia. They argued that they placed her body in the trunk due to the inability of opening the side door of the car, which was surrounded by angry, angry residents. The murder sparked angry demonstrations organized by entities of civil society and authorities. The governor of Rio de Janeiro at the time, Sergio Cabral, rated the conduct of the military police as disgusting and inhumane. Brazil's president at the time, Gilma Josefi, posted on a social network that Claudia's death shocked the country. Claudia was 38. She had four children and she had been married for 20 years. I remember sitting almost motionless when I saw this video. I still remember seeing the tears of the children she left behind at her funeral. The fact is, black Brazilians are always victimized by the state. It's just that now in the cell phone era, we're more likely to see the things that people in poor communities have seen and denounced for decades. The shock of how Claudia da Silva Ferreira was quote unquote rescued by military police in Rio was echoed in Brasilia, the, the nation's capital. An act against racism took place at the Zumbi dos Pomares Square. 
and pay tribute to the Brazilian woman victimized by a society that authorizes that blacks are murdered daily, as read the note that summoned people to attend the demonstration. She is no longer and she became the dragged woman. The fact that she had lost her name says a lot, exemplifies Nayada Lida, who planned to be at that event. Nayada is not accustomed to putting aside racial slurs, however small they may be. A compliment, however, bewilders the singer. Você não é negra, você é linda. Meaning, you're not black, you're beautiful. The comment shocked Nayada. I can't be black and beautiful? How absurd this conception is. I couldn't respond at the time, she laments. According to the middle class woman, society is not yet accustomed to the social mobility of millions of blacks. When I, female and black, walk into a place of greater economic access, people have certainty that I can only be there working as a maid or a servant. Frequently wearing a turban, Nayada says that the simple adornment now causes change in how she is treated. When I walk into a place wearing a turban, I become a foreigner, a gringa. I stop being black. I'm treated much better until they discover that I'm Brazilian. Nayada's comment is pretty intriguing because this, this, this sort of thing is something that black Brazilians speak of all the time. I remember reading some, I had to have been about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, there's a uh, an Afro-Brazilian lawyer who's he's well known for his participation in certain civil rights cases. And he had, his name is Hedio Silva. And I remember reading in a magazine how whenever he took a flight in Brazil, he was accustomed to the, the servants and the stewardesses on the plane speaking to him in, in English he learned he came to figure out that the reason why they spoke to him in English immediately upon you know recognizing that he was there was that it's automatically assumed that if a black man is riding a plane in Brazil he must be a foreigner because black Brazilians aren't expected to have the resources to be able to, to fly a plane in all honesty when I first started visiting Brazil in the year 2000 I still remember I wrote about this in an article where I left the States out of JFK Airport. Uh, so I left America's biggest city, New York City, and I landed in Brazil's largest city, uh, Sao Paulo. And I remember the diversity that I saw at the airport at JFK. There were people from all over the world at that airport. But when I arrived in, in the Guarulhos Airport in Sao Paulo, I was stunned because I hardly saw any people who look like me there. Mind you, this is something that I've seen for the last 20 years. So I can say honestly, probably within that first decade between 2000 and, and 2010, I started seeing this change um, for several reasons, including the um, the inauguration of uh, President Lula da Silva in 2002 to 2003 his presidency and his policies with the workers party actually opened up the Brazilian economy and it allowed a lot of black Brazilians access to a middle-class lifestyle that just wasn't possible for decades before. A lot of that has to do with the affirmative action policies that were starting to be implemented like in the first few years of the, of the two thousands. 
But as a frequent traveler to Brazil over the last two decades, I can say I've definitely seen a change there. Um, continuing with the story, um, Lucas Barboza, 23, a temporary public school teacher in the federal district, was approached by military police when he returned to the University of Brasilia, where he completed his second degree. Leaning on a motorcycle in the Eixo Monu Monumental uh, region, he was searched and offended by jokes. They asked me where I lived, if I was a criminal, if I was dealing drugs at UMB, again, the University of Brasilia. I said that the approach was wrong. Then they searched me again. They took my jacket and put marijuana in it. The only plausible explanation is racism and discrimination against the periphery, says the Santa Maria resident. The young man also planned to be at the event in memory of Claudia da Silva Ferreira. Now, he made reference to discrimination against the periphery. Now, in Brazil, to understand when people say the periphery or the favela or the comunidade, they're often speaking of the favela regions, which are the on the outskirts of the major cities and opposite than many uh, major cities in the United States where the suburbs are richer than the, the inner city. In Brazil, when people speak of the periphery of the favela, that's it's generally the, the poor region of the city that surrounds uh, the, the downtown and the center region of the city. So the further out you go from the, uh, the, the main region of the downtown area, th this is the area that they refer to as the periphery, where it's like, you know, poor and mostly black and brown people live. So that, that's, what the, that's what he's referring to when he says the periphery here. Another fact that inhibits Brazilian society from dealing with the issue of race head on is the belief that racists are always the others. The research institute Data Popular found troubling numbers about how the Brazilian population sees the issue of racism in the country. 92% believe that there is racism in Brazil, but only 1.3% consider themselves racist. 92 million adults have witnessed a white Brazilian refer to a black person as monkey. Only 12% took action against it. 17% of white men would not want their daughter to marry a black man. Dr. Popular interviewed 2017 people in 53 cities in Brazil between January 15th and February 12th of that year. These are just the numbers that provide a snapshot into why it's so difficult to deal with the issue of racism in Brazilian society. Everyone knows racism exists, but no one ever takes personal responsibility for it. And as we know, you, you can never be cured of an illness if you cannot first acknowledge that you are in fact sick. If this episode piqued your interest, be sure to check out the blackbrazildtoday.com blog and be sure to check in for the next episode. This has been the Black Brazil Today podcast. Be sure to check out the next episode. And if you want to know more, be sure to visit my source site, blackbraziltoday.com. <laughs>